This is the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. We're a church passionate about encountering Jesus and sharing his love with our city. To find out more about who we are, visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk. sort of cutting across people's conversations but there will be plenty of time to continue hopefully at the end of our service so we are continuing this morning in our series where we're looking at the life of David and and the title that I've given to this series is becoming and the idea behind this is that as we follow the story of David we get to see how he becomes this mighty warrior king from very humble shepherd beginnings and so what is it in his life that leads to that him becoming uh, this king and what can we learn from the life of David and so that's specifically what we're kind of looking at as we dive into this series Today we have come to probably one of the most familiar stories in the Old Testament. You can probably guess what it is. And for me, as a kid in Sunday school and kids' church, this was definitely one of my favourite Bible stories. I used to read it over and over in my own kids' Bible. I had an audio tape that would tell me the story that I'd play it to myself at night. And I've almost memorised the exact words and accents of the characters that read the story to me. And so you might have guessed this is, of course, David and Goliath. So this is a great story. And I suppose the danger as we look at this today is maybe that we're quite familiar with this story. Uh, and so I just want to pray that God would just open our hearts and that, that maybe, maybe he's got something new, something fresh that he wants to speak to us this morning through this very familiar story. So, actually, the title of today's message is God and Goliath. So we know uh, this story traditionally is David and Goliath, but today I want to call it God and Goliath. Because really, the truth of this story is that we don't want to walk away thinking that David is amazing. Uh, You know, David was special and David was brave. But the real truth of this story is that David's God is awesome. And that's what we want to take away from the story. That actually David on his own was nothing without God. His victory over Goliath is a victory that pointed to the power of God. This was a victory that wasn't about glorifying David, but rather it was about glorifying his God. And so this story is kind of one of the key moments in David's life. It begins to mark a real transition for David as he moves out of the pasture and into his kind of more people knowing who he was. Here we see David becoming a champion. And as we talk about becoming, that's specifically what we're looking at today. What can we learn from David about becoming a champion of God? So let's start by setting the scene. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and you might be relieved to know that I'm not going to read all 58 verses to you this morning. I'm going to assume that lots of us are very familiar with the story, but I would encourage you to open your Bibles when you get home and maybe have a a reread through the story of David and Goliath. So we start with a bit of a showdown. There's two armies. We've got the Philistines encamped on one mountain and the Israelite army is encamped on the other. And through the middle of these two armies, there's this valley, the Valley of Elah. And it's right near the beginning of the chapter that we're introduced to the Philistine champion, Goliath. And the way, and, and it talks about how he was over nine feet tall. And the way the writer paints this picture is of a terrifying giant. And we start to get a little bit of a sense of how the Israelites might be feeling as they stand facing this giant. 
Goliath is the Philistine champion, which probably means he's never lost a battle. I mean, in those days, if you lost a battle, you ended up dead. So I think that's pretty a pretty safe assumption. See, the picture of the enemy the Israelites were facing is one of someone who is big and someone who is bad. And as a result, the Israelites are terrified. And so Goliath taunts the Israelites. He tells them that they need to choose a soldier, choose a warrior, choose their champion to come and face off against him. If the, if if the Israelite is to win, then the Philistines will become slaves to, to the Israelites. But if the Philistines win, then the Israelites will become slaves to the Philistines. On hearing his words, Saul and all the Israelites, it says, were dismayed and terrified. And it's fear that paralyzes them to the spot. Nobody moves. For Saul, he was a soldier. He was a warrior king. He had once been described as being head and shoulders above the rest. He was head of the army. But as we saw earlier in the story, the spirit of the Lord has left Saul. And so too, his his courage left him. He, like the others, are paralyzed to the spot. And for 40 days, we see it go on like this. For 40 days, Goliath parades out in front of all of Israel and challenges them to send a fighter to face him. And we might know or recognize that 40 days is a significant period of time in Scripture. 40 days, I think, for us underlines this as a significant amount of time. And we see that maybe this is um, God testing the Israelites. God's testing his people. God's looking, what is the response of his people to this challenge? You know, by challenging the Israelites, Goliath is effectively challenging and defying the God of Israel. So he believes their gods to be stronger, stronger, to be greater. The Israelites are filled not with faith, but with fear. How can they win? How can the Israelites win? You know, all of us face battles in our lives too, don't we? We all know what it is to at times be filled with fear. So how can we come out victorious in the face of a battle that feels like it's unwinnable? The first thing I think that we need to recognize is that fear is not our friend. That so often fear is a tool used by the enemy to intimidate and paralyze the people of God. See, Goliath's challenge, before he's even raised a sword against the people of God, he's already won, or that's what it looks like just by his ability to intimidate, just by his ability to invoke fear, by parading his strength and his power in front of them. They're rooted to the spot. And as the people of God are confronted with this giant, they're they're filled with fear and they're focusing on fear in that moment rather than on their faith and who God truly is. They allow fear to overtake them. You know, it matters what we pay attention to. You know, when we fear, when we, when we are aware of fear coming in our lives, do we focus just on the fear or are we focusing on what God's word is into that situation? You know, we have a choice when things come our way to focus on fear or instead focus on faith in the God who can. In 1 John 4.18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. You know, that's a nice verse, but if you're facing a giant, I wonder how helpful that verse is, but it is a good one. But I came across in Proverbs 29, 25, where it says, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. That's a good verse. I felt like that's a verse to underline and to take away today as our memory verse. 
Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever puts their trust in God will be kept safe. You know, God's word is filled with promises that can help us combat fear in our lives. It's filled with promises of his goodness and his faithfulness. And we can speak those out over the situations that we're in. God is faithful. And for David, he saw things differently to the Israelites. So how did David win the battle? What we see in the life of David, he models that strength comes as we focus, not on fear, but as we focus on God. Strength comes as we focus on God. See, the Spirit of the Lord was with David. We know that from the earlier part of the story. The Spirit of the Lord has filled David, and as a result, he is filled with courage. Even at the early stage in the story, David is already shown to be a man after God's heart, a man who is faithful to God. And it's been in the unseen place where no one has been watching or paying attention to David. That's where he's cultivated his relationship with God. That's where he's hungered after God and pursued him and worshipped him and welcomed him. And as a result, God's come close to David. God's filled him with his spirit. He's filled him with a revelation of who God is. He's filled him with faith and he's filled him with courage. God drew near to David as David drew near to God. And so David ends up in the middle of this battle, not there as a soldier, but rather sent by his father to give food to his brothers who are in the army and also to report back to his dad about, about the battle and what's been going on. So again, in a servant capacity, David shows up in the right place at the right time. And as he's there, he overhears Goliath's challenge to the people of Israel. And he thinks, how dare this man challenge the living God? In that moment, David is 100% ready to go. Isn't it interesting that David is more ready to fight Goliath than any of the soldiers in Israel? See, David has come from the shepherd's field, but he's more ready to fight than the men on the battlefield. Because he's been in God's presence. He's been in God's process of preparation over his life. He hasn't been to military training school. He hasn't been in the army or fought previously as a, in the capacity of a soldier. But he has been under God's training. And he's ready. He's ready to step up in this significant moment. He knows how to trust and depend on God in the face of danger. And so David, David doesn't allow Goliath's intimidation to put him off. But it's interesting as we look at the passage that David then faces a second challenge. And this time it comes from his brother. In verse 28 it says, When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? The mocking voice of his brother. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You have come down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David, can't I even speak? And he turned away. David is on the brink of a breakthrough moment. And the initial intimidation of the giant, or the initial intimidation of the enemy hasn't put David off. But now comes another rebuke. And this time it comes from someone closer to him. It comes from his own brother. But again, David refuses to let any opposition distract him from the task at hand. And in verse 30, the most significant part of that passage, he turned away. 
He turned away. He chose not to get upset by his brother's comments. He chose not to focus on them, not to be discouraged by them, but he turned away and continued with the task in hand. Can't this sometimes be another tactic of the enemy? where maybe he fails to cause us to be afraid. Sometimes he can use the voices of people closest to us to discourage us or to try and stop us doing the things that God has called us to do. You know, I really had an experience where I was beginning to encounter God in a a powerful way and just get really excited about my faith and just really pressing into the presence of God. And someone in my family who I love very much came to me and said, Hannah, you need to be careful that you don't become so heavenly minded you're of no earthly use. You know, I don't know if anyone's heard that phrase before, but that really hurt me when that person said that to me. You know, I was really excited about the way I was experiencing God and the journey that I was on. And there was this phrase that was said over me that, that actually now I just recognize was not sent to encourage me, but rather to discourage me. I'm sure we've maybe had experiences where those closest to us have let us down or spoke things over us. But like David, we just need to be sure of what is it that God's calling us to do. We turn away and we focus on his words more than the words of discouragement around us. So David is not moved. And he volunteers and is brought before Saul to go and face the giant. In verse 34, David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord, I love this verse, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. When I'd heard someone else speak on this passage before, they said that when the Israelites looked at Goliath, they thought, he's so big, we can't win. But when David looked at Goliath, he thought, he's so big, I can't miss. And I love that. I love that. That's the perspective of a man filled with God, filled with his courage. David's strength came from his time with the Lord. David's strength came from God and I felt really challenged by that this week and it just caused me as I was preparing this talk to just reflect on my own time with the Lord just now, on my own quiet times and do you know what, if I look back on my life I think there's probably been times when I've felt closer or I've maybe felt more passionate or more ready to take risks or or more on fire and it just caused me to kind of reflect on where am I right now in my journey with God You know, how much am I setting aside time to really pursue and to press in and to worship and to stir and to feel my passion for him? You know, sometimes we can simply settle with the discipline. I've read my Bible, I've done my verses for the day. But are we really pressing into God's presence? Are we really seeking him? Are we making space for him in our day-to-day lives? And I think it's a natural rhythm, it's a natural part of life, isn't it, sometimes to go through these up and down moments. I think there's an invitation for us. Let's just reassess. Where are we in our pursuit of God just now? Is there more we can do? And it's not out of obligation, but it's out of hunger. It's out of how much do we want to see the spirit of God in our lives? How much do we want to invite and welcome him so that we can partner with him in in the kingdom work of God? You know, for us, maybe if we're struggling with lack of vision or we're aware of fear creeping in, I'd love to just invite us, are we pressing deeper into the spirit of God? Is there an opportunity to go deeper with him? 
And the truth is there's no quick fix. The only way and the only one who can solve that is us. The only one who can prioritize and make it happen is us. So we need to choose what are the voices that we're allowing into our minds? What are the voices that we're choosing to focus on? So we see that strength comes from the Lord. And finally, we see that the battle belongs to the Lord. You know, for all of us as followers of Jesus, we can't expect that our life is going to be plain sailing all the time. Unfortunately, there is an enemy at work. And the Bible tells us that the enemy has come to rob, to kill, and destroy. It says that in, in that famous verse in John 10, 10. We know the devil hates God and hates his people, and we're caught in the middle of this kind of cosmic battle, whether we want to be or not. But we're not called to be afraid because Jesus has already defeated the power of the enemy once and for all. And he's made available to us every tool we need to overcome the works of the enemy in our lives. David models for us what it is to partner with faith in God to overcome the enemy that would stand against us. No matter how big or threatening it may seem. David proves in this chapter that one man with God is a majority. And David fights for the Lord and he fights in the name of the Lord. David doesn't fight for himself. In verse 45, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give, give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. This battle isn't about David. It's about the Lord. He's fighting for the Lord. And it's David's heart and his integrity and his previous faithfulness in that unseen place when no one was watching that now sets him up for his first public victory and this significant moment of promotion. Verse 50, so David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck the Philistine and killed him. This is God in David against Goliath. And from that moment on, the people of Israel, they know who David is. The people of Israel, um, to David, he appeared to them to be an overnight success. But like so many overnight success stories, what had preceded this was a hidden life of discipline, focus, and faithfulness. See, David had learned how to fight his own battles. David had learned how to keep himself strong in the Lord. And now, because of that, God was able to use David to bless others to fight battles on behalf of others. See, the call in David's life was bigger than his own personal relationship with God. It was bigger than his own personal victories with God. The call in his life was to be a warrior and a rescuer of a whole nation, not for his own glory, but for God's. And this is the moment we see in the life of David where he begins to take a step towards that calling. The battle belongs to the Lord. And God is looking for people who are willing to join him in that battle. People of passion, people of courage, people willing to take risks and to put our trust in him. 
you know, that life in the secret place is so important. And God is still looking, even today, for men and women to join him in the battle over evil. Men and women that he can trust with power and authority and influence. People who can rescue others stuck in hopelessness and in the grip of the enemy. Men and women willing to walk in this path of preparation with him. To walk out his process. But before we can go on and run that massive compassion ministry that's going to change Sterling, or maybe before we get to start moving in that supernatural healing ministry, or before we become wealthy kingdom entrepreneurs, or whatever it is that maybe God is stirring in our hearts, the question I think we need to ask ourselves, are we living victoriously in our own lives before God can equip us to live victoriously uh, for others? You know, I just think that God wants to stir our vision. He just wants to stir us to think about what might be possible in him as we give our full yes and our full surrender to him. I believe this morning he wants to give us an invitation to, be, to commit ourselves to a fresh pursuit of him, a fresh pursuit of his presence. I don't believe this morning that God wants to condemn us, make us feel bad for maybe not having a good enough relationship with him. I don't believe that's his heart. But I believe he wants to give us an invitation. You know, I believe that there are things that he has to, for us to do as a church. But like David, it starts in the secret place. It starts in our faithfulness, in our relationship with God. And I believe this morning that God just wants to stir our hunger for him. We always like to just finish with a time of prayer ministry and I might invite the worship team to, to come back as we do that. And there's just two areas that I just felt that maybe the Spirit of God wanted to minister into today. And the first was, are you struggling with fear? Are you aware of fear that is holding you back and that is restricting you from just walking in the fullness of God? And you know what, if that's you, we'd love to stand with you this morning and pray uh, and just pray to break the power of fear in your lives. Can I just say, when we pray, nothing weird happens. Um, we just have some people that will come and just stand with you and just very simply just pray together. And that was the first thing. And, and the second thing is that maybe today you feel a stirring to just recommit yourself to the pursuit of God. Maybe you're aware that your, your times with God have just become a bit monotonous or maybe you've been missing them a little bit more. And today you just want to put a stake in the ground and say, God, I'm choosing to pursue you today. I'm choosing to pursue more of you today. And again, if that's you, we'd love to, we'd love to stand with you. We'd love to pray with you for that. And, and so if you'd like some prayer this morning, um, you can just head to the back and we have a couple of people there um, who would love to pray with you. Thanks for listening to the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, please visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk or find us on social media at Sterling Vineyard Church.